0: They're going to switch on the volume and it's going to, if I just talk, then when everybody's comfortable with it, I'll get started. This is great. The helmets are back, aren't they? (laughs) You you get a sort of double act this morning. You have no idea how unbelievably excited we are to be home. We're beside ourselves. Um, It's great to see you all and some new faces as well, which we look forward to getting to know over the next few weeks. Now, the lovely people at the back are going to work my PowerPoint for me because I can't multitask. I can't talk and click the clicker. Okay, I'm talking this morning about living generously. I found this picture, uh, which I thought was quite fun. A random person standing on the street saying, I have a home, a car, and a job. Would anybody like a few books for a coffee? It's turning on its head, that idea of putting out a begging bowl, and it's somebody who's putting out a giving hand. Now, I had a bit of a dilemma thinking about this because I thought I can either do an incredibly short talk and say, we've all got to live generously, the Bible says so, and sit down, which may have attractions for some of you, or I could keep everybody here for a very, very long time and look at all the places where the Bible talks about living generously. Uh, So I thought I'd try and hit the middle ground and get us all home by lunchtime, if that's okay. But but it's a case of strap on your seatbelts. Now, a bit of a disclaimer as well before I get going. Really this morning it's important that you listen to God and not me. Then if you get upset or offended, challenged or hot under the collar, you can't blame me. It's God. It might just be this morning that God makes us uncomfortable. I I really hope so. Um, That he makes us uncomfortable and that we find ourselves challenged. I don't want anybody to get on any sort of guilt trip out of this, but I really would be very excited if God was to challenge us and bring about changes in our lives. That would be fun. Now the word generous or generosity, do you want to just, you know, you've all sat, you've been ever so good and ever so quiet and everything, why don't you have a little bit of a wriggle and a shuffle and just take a minute or so to chat to somebody and have a think, what comes into your mind when you hear the word generous or generosity, off you go, just you know, shuffle about a bit. Okay, and three, two, one, stop. Let's just have some people shouting out for me some words that came into their head when you think of generous or generosity. Sacrifice. Giving. Unconditionally, great. There's something unconditional about generosity. Time, open-hearted. Ah, they're good, aren't they? Money. Giving over and above. Giving over and above. Over and above. Great, fantastic. I looked up the dictionary definition of generous, and it says a willingness and a liberality in giving. Abundance or plenty. It's a big word, isn't it? There's a sense of it being an over-the-top kind of a word. There's nothing small or mean, or petty, or self-protective about the word generous. It's an expansive word. So I thought what we should look at really is the reasons why we should be generous and what will motivate us to be generous. Because it's all right to stand here and go, be generous. That's not gonna get us anywhere, is it? We need to know why we should live generously First of all, look, isn't this great? It works. The first reason we should live generously is because God does. All you've got to do, I love this time of year because you go for a walk. I went for a walk on Friday, and there were blackberries everywhere, and there were rose hips everywhere, and there were conkers all over the ground, and there were apples dropping off the trees. You just get this sense of all around you in creation, this massive abundance. And you watch these programs. I'm not very good on numbers, but um, these whizzy space programs about how many stars and galaxies and planets there are. And then you go small and you go how many microscopic creatures there are in the sea. And how many species of birds, Jeremy, there are on the planet. 9,300, there you go. I knew you'd know that. And there's a sense that we haven't got a mean God. One bird, one fish. Just enough conquers, you know, to make a new tree. We've got a God who is extravagant and lavish all around us in creation. Then you only have to look at who God is when he talks about himself. Moses Moses had a moment where he, de- he decided he wanted to meet the living God, <laughs> brave man. And uh, God introduced himself to Moses. And he said, it says in Exodus, it says, The Lord passed by Moses and said, The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding, in steadfast love and faithfulness abounding is a it's a good word isn't it it's a big word it's an expansive word it's not a mean little word God's got more love than we could ever use up he's got more love than the whole of mankind and the whole of creation could ever use up he's not going to run out he's abounding with it he's generous Uh, In in, uh, 1 John, it says, how great is the love the Father has lavished on us, that we, we, should be called the children of God. I like the word lavished. It makes me think of toast. You know, I like toast with lavished butter. You know? Oh, don't you? Sort of all over and dribbling off the edges. Lavished. It's a generous word. And then God gave us the ultimate present, the ultimate expression of his generosity. It says, God shows his love for us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Jesus didn't wait. God and Jesus didn't have a little chat together with the Holy Spirit. The Trinity didn't sit down and say, now then, When Lou Wright's got herself sorted and she's completely okay, Jesus will die for her. You know, when the world's cleaned up and it doesn't smell and it's not nasty and it doesn't do horrible things, then then Jesus will come. No, it was while we were yet at our absolute worst that Jesus, in his generosity the Trinity decided that Jesus would come and die for us in their generosity. God is generous. That's one reason why we should live generously. Another reason why we should live generously, because God tells us to. All the way through scripture, God tells us to be generous. This is one of the places where I can't do it all. And in my experience, I don't know about yours, but God's spoken to me directly many, many times, telling me to be generous. Um, there's, there's, a, there's a passage that we're going we're to refer to quite a lot, where Paul writes a letter to the church in Corinth. Now, the church in Corinth is in a bit of a muddle, to say the least. And it has real issues with Generosity. Has issues with being generous across social and uh, economic divides, and it has issues with being generous with its money. It's just in a pickle. And Paul writes to them and he says, For the point is, whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly, whoever sows bountifully will reap bountifully. Each one must give as he's decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. There's a sound of generosity in that verse, that lovely word bountiful. It's another of those words like lavish and abounding, bountiful. It means lots of. And Paul's pointing out to the church in Corinth that there are benefits from them, benefits for them from living the way God, God wants them to live, from living generously. God is even generous enough to me to make it such that when we're generous we benefit from it. That's that's double generosity and Paul takes a a picture an analogy from the man in the field throwing out seed he says if you only plant a few you'll only get a bit but if you take a great big handful and you hurl it then you'll get a lot and then he talks a little bit about how and we're going to leave that bit and come back to it but God tells us to be generous And you can all think, why didn't she use that verse, and that verse, and that verse, and that verse? It's It's a great study to go through the Bible and see all the places where God tells us to live generously. Keep us all going till Christmas. Okay. But it's all very well knowing why we should live generously. But what motivates us? What will motivate us to live generously? Because, to be honest, naturally speaking, maybe it's just me, but I'm pretty selfish. And I like being comfortable. My comfort is very important to me. And, naturally speaking, left to my own devices, living generously is a little bit too demanding. So we need a motivation to live generously. Now, God is most interested in our motivation. If you read any scripture at all, you'll know that Jesus was not a fan of the Pharisees. Now, the Pharisees, on the surface, appeared to get quite a lot right. You could have said they lived generously. By modern standards, they, they tithed, they gave, a tenth of everything. They were nitpicky about it. They even gave a tenth of the herbs in their garden. The, the mint from their garden and the cumin from their garden. They, they divided it up and made sure that a tenth was given. That's pretty nitpicking. Going around counting your mint leaves. So you would think that Jesus might have been pleased with them. But he was not. At all pleased with them because they didn't open up their hearts to God or to Him as God's Son. And Jesus was more interested in their hearts than in their actions. There's a fabulous missionary called Amy Carmichael. I think we've got a picture of her. There she is. She died in 1951. She spent 55 years of her life working in India as a missionary. She didn't have one trip home for a rest in 55 years, Jack. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> They're not going to do that. Don't worry, Diane. <laughs> They're not going to do that. And, and she had, a, she had a, a quote from her. She says, it is possible to give without loving, but it is impossible to love without giving and she was talking about a heart motivation to give to live generously so living generously is something that comes from our heart now paul said to the corinthians in the verse that we looked at each one must give as he's decided in his heart Each one must give as he's decided in his heart. And I thought that was interesting because we tend to think of our minds deciding. But here Paul's saying your hearts have got to decide. This kind of giving is something that asks us to look closely at ourselves and examine why we're giving. And... It involves us giving something of ourselves as well as, in this case, it was money they were giving. They weren't, he, Paul's saying, don't just carelessly put your hands in your pockets and give the tenor that's left over this week. He's saying, examine your hearts and decide in your heart what you're going to give to put yourself behind this project this is a much more we have to be much more engaged with our giving i can be quite a careless giver i don't know about you 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 find the, the guy with the big issue and you buy his big issue and you, you you walk past and you don't spare a thought and i think you know if i'm if my heart's engaged with this process I will at least pray for him as I walk down the street. I might even offer to pray for him. I might take the big issue and buy him a sandwich. I might do more than just be careless. So, giving has to come from our heart. Giving, I suggest, living generously is a response of gratitude. There's a a great story in the Bible that's one of my favorites, and kids love it, about Zacchaeus, who was small and mean. Not nice. He was little, and he was a tax collector, which meant he was a crook. He took from people more money than he should have done, and he kept some, and he gave some to the Romans, but he kept a cut. And nobody liked him, and nobody spoke to him. So, when Jesus came to town, he had to climb a tree because he was short, and nobody was going to let him to the front of the queue because they didn't like him. And Jesus stopped under his tree and looked up and said, Zacchaeus, down the tree, I'm coming to your house this evening. And that meant so to Zacchaeus, that meant. Somebody to come and eat in your house, that's acceptance, that's belonging, that's relationship. And he climbed down the tree. I guess he looked pretty undignified climbing down that tree. One of those Middle Eastern robes, hitched round his nether regions. And he looked at Jesus and he said, I'll give half of everything I have to the poor. And anybody I've swindled, which was probably the whole town. I'll pay back four times what I stole from them. Jesus didn't ask him to do that. Jesus didn't ask him to live that generously. What Jesus did was met him in relationship and from the gratitude of his heart, Zacchaeus was motivated to give. I find it interesting in my life I I don't know about you guys but there have been times in my life when really, really difficult things have, have happened and it's like all the petty stuff has been pared right back and become irrelevant and I found myself at those times in my life being at my most generous it's like being comfortable and life just sailing along. My life can get so cluttered. I cease to be generous. I lose that sense of, here's, a, here's what's happening in my life. Here's God meeting me in my difficulties. Here's God loving me, caring for me. And a gratitude and a generosity comes from me. I don't know, some of you might have experienced that. I can't see any nods. Living generosity comes from our heart. A response of gratitude. It's a grace gift. Paul says to the uh, Corinthians, And God is able able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. There's a lot of alls and everys there. And Paul's saying it's God that will make the grace abound to you now it's time to take a little bit of an aside here and tell you a bit more about these Corinthians Um, Paul was in a part of the world at the time known as Macedonia and he was with a group of believers in Macedonia and we know two things about them we know they were very poor financially and that they were afflicted they were suffering probably persecution but they had been amazingly generous. And what Paul is saying to the church in Corinth is, please, will you learn from these others? Will you learn? It's like the church in Syria currently, if it still exists, collecting money and sending it to us because they've heard we're having a bit of a struggle making ends meet. That's the kind of dynamic that we're talking about and paul's trying to encourage the corinthians and he's saying look living generously is a god will give you the grace to do it god is so generous he doesn't even expect you to be able to do it by yourself he gives you the grace to do it living generosity is generated and sustained in our lives by god's grace not by self-effort. Now, just a little aside here. You you could be sitting thinking, that's all right then, because I don't feel particularly generous. So obviously God hasn't given me the grace yet, so I don't have to do it till suddenly I wake up one morning and I think, my goodness, I feel generous. God's obviously been at work in the night. Um, I don't actually think it quite works like that. I think if we find that we don't have within us to live generously, we know we lack God's grace, then we need to reach out and ask him for it, not live complacently without it. Um, So sorry if you thought you were off the hook there. So I think I suggest that our motivation for living generously is really, really important to God. Our heart, our gratitude, and laying hold of his grace. So where do we work out? We've had the why. We've had the what. Where do we work out this generosity? Well, I want to start with the church. And this is a section which surprised me. When I was preparing this, I was surprised by what I found here and I was surprised by what God was saying. Back to our Macedonian church. Um, They were so amazing, they begged Paul for the chance to give money. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine any of us begging Steve Jones to please let us give money to the church? I've, I've, I've never begged like that. Perhaps you have. They begged Paul to let them give money. And he, was, he had expectations of how much they would give financially. <clears throat> and he didn't have many more expectations than that. And they absolutely, what happened with this little group of Christians, blew Paul out the water. He was, he was completely blown away. And he tells us what they did. And in 2 Corinthians 8 it says, they gave according to their means and beyond their means. Not as we, that's Paul, expected. But they gave themselves first to the Lord. And then by the will of God, they gave themselves to us. That us there is singular, we would say me. So this little group of Christians, poor and afflicted, gave themselves to God, gave themselves to Paul, and gave more money than they could afford to give. And I suggest that there's a a little bit of a progression here. They dedicated themselves to God in a new way. And there's a sense in the language of the passage in in Corinthians that they dedicated themselves to God in a new way and out of that flowed a desire to dedicate themselves to Paul. To receive from Paul in a new way spiritual oversight and to honour him. Now I'm really pleased that Steve isn't here this morning. Steve's speaking in the Lees Church. Because I felt challenged. We have in Steve Jones a gift which I don't think very many other churches are privileged to have. We have a man of integrity. We have a scholarly man who loves and knows the word of God. We have a man who cares and lays down his life for the church. And we have a man with an apostolic and oversight anointing from God, which is growing nationally. And I felt challenged, and I felt right to challenge all of us, to receive in a new way the spiritual oversight that Steve represents. So this little group of Christians dedicated themselves to God in a new way. They received Paul in a new way. And as a result of those two things, there flowed out of them desire to give more money than they could afford to give. Paul didn't have to Ring the money out of them. This this money, by the way, I'm sorry, I should have told you where this money was going. This money was a collection for the church in Jerusalem, um, because there were many poor people in the church in Jerusalem. Probably because it was a big t- big city, a um, lot of Jewish converts coming from Judaism into the new Christian church, um, being persecuted as a result. Lots of reasons. But, so a very, very poor group of people were sending money. A very poor group of Gentile Christians were giving beyond their means to a group of Jewish Christians in Jerusalem. It, it went across cultural divides. It, it, was, it was an extraordinary piece of giving. But it came because they dedicated themselves to God in a new way. And then they received spiritual oversight in a new way. And, you know, I've heard people standing up here many Sundays saying, well, the church's giving's down and this, that, and the other. And I wonder, I just wondered, I felt God said to me, dedicate yourself to me again. Receive Steve's apostolic oversight in a new way. And it may just be that actually there won't be financial worries in this church anymore. I I leave it with you for what it's worth. And also, to just challenge us, that there is a wider church family in the world. It's a confusing time to live, I find. Uh, there's what's happening in Syria, Iraq. There are refugees in camps. There are economic migrants all over Europe. There are our brothers and sisters uh, going through the most extraordinary hardship. And I felt maybe challenged. Was I doing enough uh, for the brothers and sisters in Christ who were very, very poor, very afflicted? You know the the passage in in, uh, Matthew that we all know, when I was hungry you fed me, when I was naked you clothed me, when I was in prison you visited me. Jesus, if you look into that whole passage, what, what he's saying is, uh, I will judge you according to what you do for your brothers and sisters in God who are going through those things. Um, just, sorry, this is getting a bit heavy now. I can feel the atmosphere changing. So we work out our generosity in the church. We work it out in the world too. Jesus charged us to take good news into the world, telling people about Jesus, seeing them come into his kingdom, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. We have to live generously in the way we take out into the world the good news of Jesus. And we have to be generous in the world with our, what I call acts of service. Um, Isaiah says, if you pour out yourself for the hungry and satisfy the desires of the afflicted, your light will rise in the darkness and your gloom will be as noonday. We are called to take the good news of Jesus, but we're also called, I think, to look at the world and see Uh, the kind of thing Jack and Claire are doing they're they're taking the good news of Jesus but they're going to work with the poor and they're bringing water and Ben and Michelle, those of you who know them they're they're bringing water and they're they're seeking to bring aid and to bring medicine they're they're taking good news they're taking acts of service too so we have to live generously because God does and God told us to We have to get the motivation right from God Himself. We have to work it out in the church and we have to work it out in the world. So the next question is how? And we're on the homeward straight because there's no how that's going to be the same for everybody, is there? The hows are all going to be different. I just had a few thoughts. How do we express living generously? Well, we give ourselves, you know, giving of ourselves. I find this quite hard sometimes. It means jolly well loving people who honestly quite often I don't want to. I don't maybe not always even like them. It means being open and honest with other people. Particularly with your brothers and sisters, in, you know, when it's not keeping all that stuff to yourself, being open, being honest, sharing our hearts, listening, not judging. I had lunch with Lynn Waddington to, the week and she, we were chatting about this and she said, It's not being judgmental, isn't it? I thought, well, Yeah, that's right. Living generously is not judging other people, it's being gracious towards them, it's love covering a multitude of sins overcoming prejudice, cultural barriers. Jesus sat down with the woman at the well. He shouldn't have been talking to her. She was a woman. He shouldn't have been talking to her. She was a Samaritan. He overcame those barriers. He gave himself. Okay. Sometimes living generously means we have to let other people correct us where we've got things wrong. We have to be open to that. And there are lots more but we can't live generously if we don't give ourselves. Living generously means giving our time. It's overcoming that curse of always being too busy. Do you know, I've noticed something about myself. I always find time for what I really want to do. I can always watch strictly. Sometime or another, it always gets squeezed in. Or the Great British Bake Off. Um yeah it, it makes me sad. another thing which makes me sad while well, we 're on the subject because i 've been away for a year, so you know when we have to keep talking about rotors and stewarding and kids' work and youth work and children 's work and people to help honestly there's enough of us to go around if we 're generous with our time, generous with our time there 's lots of places to help in the church Stuart and Lynn needs work with. It. Need help with Edge and Equip. Lou needs help with lots of stuff. Lots of stuff. (laughs) Stuart, where's Stuart? He's probably out with the young people, needs help with the young people. Al needs help with the kids' work. There are plenty of plenty of places to work out living generously with our time in church. Our missional communities. Are you involved in a missional community or does it really seriously I haven't got the time, I have got the time to get involved. Or I don't want to give myself and get involved. Our neighbours, the list goes on. Time. Is, Is our time our own? I don't think so. Pardon? That's right, Lulu. Lulu's always given her time when she could. She went out giving soup and spending time with the homeless on the streets of Oxford with her bike. Didn't you, Lulu? And they loved her. Um, Giving our money. We had to get to money eventually, didn't we? Now, just a little tithing thing. I'm not going to talk about it not really because it's a whole nother talk tithing, giving 10% whether or not it carries through to the New Testament or not I'm not going to talk about any of that I'd just like to say though that for me personally tithing is where I start because it's a discipline it gets me started 10% all the time every week, every month I mean Gets me started. Means I can't sit back and not be generous with my money. But I think as far as I'm concerned, and I think as far as God's concerned, giving starts after tithing. Tithing is kind of what we do as a good discipline, like brushing our teeth. Giving starts with what comes after that. Just something to to think about. You may disagree with me. Where should we give our money? Well, church. And... There's a lovely bunch of people who are just about to appear. There they are. These are some of the people from our church who work overseas. Jack and Claire aren't on there because they're sat over there. And James and Miriam aren't on there because they're sat over there. But all of these people are in different countries. One way or another, serving God. They've all gone from us. And... Some of them are getting money from other sources, wages and what have you. And some of them aren't. And they're all doing work, which could do with being financed. So if, you, if, you were, if you're in any way wondering about where to give money, then you can always talk to Keith uh, or to Lou, who know all about the missionaries and how you can give to them. You can always give to Edge and Equip. Which is our church work for the homeless. You can always give to Christians in other countries. Can we have the next slide? Open doors is Angus here this morning. Now Angus Reed, who's part of our church family, works with open doors. So ask him. They're doing this is the thing on their website. Um, down the bottom, 71 pounds can keep a family in Syria alive for a month. And 213 can sustain them through the winter. There's no shortage of places to give if we're living generously. Um, giving our hospitality. I don't know how good we are at hospitality. We had a great Sunday last Sunday because we cooked extra and scooped up some of the people who've just... Oh, Joe and Joanna here. Joe and Joanna were two of them and Rachel and... No. And it was great because we got to meet new people and uh, it it was good. And I was reminded just how much fun hospitality is all over again. And I'm determined, so, you know, just consider this an invitation. I'm determined on the Sundays we're in Oxford to cook extra and just take anybody back to lunch you'd like to come. But not this Sunday because we're with the students. So, you know, if you want lunch, just ask if you see me around. Because it's fun. It's lots of fun. And being hospitable with our neighbours uh, are always surprised by how, how, by how hospitable Christians can be. And students, we've got lots of new students. And in my experience, they always need feeding. And it doesn't matter how much you cook, they always eat it all. Okay. And we must live generously giving out the good news. We've got a new strap line, haven't we? Invest, be bold. Invite. God, well, I'm glad two people know it. It's all about living generously. If we're living generously, we'll invest in people. If we're living generously, we'll be bold, offering to pray for them like Kirsty did, talking about Jesus. If we're living generously, we'll invite them into something good, missional communities, our homes, our church, We have got something incredibly precious. And I speak to myself because I'm such a coward. There's somebody in one of my schools who's told me three weeks in a row that she's got a bad back. And I still haven't offered to pray for her. I'm going in this week. If she tells me she's got a bad back this week, I'm praying for her, okay? Um, We've got so much to offer. So, we've looked at why we live generously what motivates us to live generously, how we work, where we work it out, how we work it out. They're all interconnected, all these ways of giving. We could only do them by the grace of God. And I think there are questions that we need to ask ourselves after this morning. And these are the questions that I felt we should look at. I felt that some of us, need to do business with God because we're just not motivated to live generously. Maybe in one of those areas in particular, something's jumped out at you. Some people might be afraid to live generously because you've tried it and it was painful. And you've got old wounds. Or because you were never brought up to do that. It's a strange way of doing things. And some of us maybe just need to ask for new ways to express living generously. Starting this week, because if we put it off, we'll never get going. And we just need to remember that whatever our own personal challenge is, God is there to give us the grace to do it. Because God is a generous God who wants his kids to be like him.